Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life podcast. Today I have the honor of having Haley Colanino, another nutrition coach, joining me. And you're going to enjoy our conversation so much. We're going to talk about lab work and how to use that to identify any hormonal um, issues, any deficiencies that you might have in your diet, any problems you might have otherwise. We're going to be talking about yo-yo dieting and what kind of effects that might have had on your gut issues and much more. So I'm super excited to jump into this conversation with Haley. Welcome to the podcast, Haley. It's so nice to have you on. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is kind of like a long time coming. Yes. Haley has a nutrition coaching company called Girls Fuel. Is that correct? Yes. Girls Fuel. And um, I would love for you to just introduce yourself and your company um, first off to anybody who, who doesn't know you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my name is Haley. I am a registered dietitian and nutrition coach. Um, my company is called Girls Fuel LLC. And my two assistant coaches and I, who are also degreed in nutrition, we focus on helping women find a find a balance between achieving their goals and using a compassionate approach to nutrition. Um, the majority of the women that I work with do have what we'd consider, you know, functional health issues, be that gut hormone issues with anemias and deficiencies and, and all of that. But we are a primarily um, female oriented company. Super cool. Um, Haley and I actually worked together for a little while um, in our previous interesting coaching company with tailored coaching method. Um, but I have just really enjoyed seeing Haley's journey as well. Um, her starting off with her podcast and just going all in on her real passion um, that has come through, I guess, your work as a registered dietitian and your studies as well as that. Yeah. Would you kind of describe that too? Definitely. I mean, we've both been coaching for, for a while now and have had different, you know, experiences with that. But I do think that once I became licensed as a dietitian, that's what really helped me take off into the niche that I'm in right now. Yeah. And I found it so interesting also because you have also worked or maybe are also working with bikini competitors because you, mm -hmm. you have yourself done a bikini show before. Is that, um, am I getting this right? Yeah, I competed in 2018, 2019. We'll maybe compete again in the next year or two. Um, but I do have a good handful of competitors and I do really enjoy working with bodybuilding competitors, females especially, partially because of like the mindset that has to go mm -hmm. into the journey. But also it's just really cool physiologically to put your body through something like that. And it's especially important for those types of athletes to maintain their health and be on top of their blood work throughout. So I have a couple on my roster, but I do a lot of consults, like one-off calls, going over lab work, going over gut testing and all of that with competitors that maybe have other coaches at the time too. Super cool. So let's dive right into that. Like if someone comes to you and they're like, hmm, I, I don't feel like myself. I feel like something is off. Uh, I have no idea where it's coming from. 
what kind of lab work do you advise them to order? Definitely. So as some of you may know, getting lab work, whether it is serum blood work, like a blood draw, whether it's a GI map, which is a stool test, a Dutch test, which is hormones um, via saliva in urine, it can be very expensive, especially since usually if you want to get enough run to figure out what's actually going on, it isn't going to be covered through insurance. So that's where mm-hmm. I'll usually wait to test as long as I can. I'll use a couple of different questionnaires. I'll talk to the the client and use maybe past testing that they've had done within the last year from their doctor. But if we are at a point where I'm like, hey, like this is what I think is going on. This is what I think the root cause is based on the questionnaires, based on what we've talked about. But in order to actually, you know, push for change, I need to see some tangible data. I'll determine what the next step would be, whether it is those serum labs, getting your blood drawn, um, whether it is doing a stool test or whether it is doing that, you know, Dutch test um, and all of those things I can order for my clients or if they have a doctor that is kind of more more cool, more laid back, more up with the functional nutrition space that can order labs through their insurance, I'll have them do that and I'll give them a list to go in with. Okay. So for just in general, for many people, would you say the Dutch test is a good place to start off with? If you have like minimal budget and you want to get the most bang for your buck? (laughs) That's a great question. So for those of you that aren't familiar, there are multiple versions of a Dutch test, but the most common one that you'll run is probably a Dutch complete. And what that looks at primarily is your steroid hormones and your adrenal hormones. So your sex hormones like estradiol and progesterone, testosterone, and their precursors to help you understand why your levels are the way that they are. They also look at cortisol patterns um, and you can get you know some insight into your neurotransmitter health, your B vitamins and all of that. But in most cases, I will not run a Dutch test unless the main issue is with hormones. I'll almost always start with a serum blood work panel because that, especially, you know, if I build it myself, I can get a look of basically everything from head to toe, what is going on inside of your body and connect the dots from there. So especially if budget is an issue, they all run between, you know, two to $400. But if budget is an issue, especially I will start with that serum blood work panel, do what we can work working off of that. Um, and then based on if things improve or not, we would move into those more advanced methods of testing being the GI map for, for a gut issue or the Dutch test for a hormonal issue. Okay. And do you also have clients that cannot get blood work at all? <laughs> um, what would you advise them or how do you, I guess, try to assess them when it comes to hormonal or gut health? Yes. So I do have that happen from time to time, whether it's because of finances or because they live in a place that I can't order for them, like out of the country. And it's honestly not usually that big of an issue. And it all kind of depends on where their lifestyle's at, right? Because, you know, when we get clients coming to us, we focus on a lot more than just, hey, like, this is what you need to eat. These are the supplements you need to take. It's all about, you know, lifestyle. What are your routines like? Are you managing your stress? So until I can get somebody in an optimal, you know, lifestyle routine with their food choice, with their sleep, with their training, for health, I honestly don't even want to see their labs because I'm not going to do anything about your labs 
if I can't, if we can't get you to do the basics first, like Mm -hmm. nourish your body every three to four hours or whatever it is. So more often than not, especially if somebody comes to me and I think they need testing, but we're both a little hesitant about the money, both a little hesitant about pushing, pulling the trigger. I'll say, Hey, let's give this a month. Answer my questionnaires. I have some pretty in-depth ones for specific to hormones, gut, all of that. And of course, they're mowing the lawn outside, which I feel like happens every time you and I get on a Zoom call. <laughs> I it. can't even hear it, so don't worry about it. But yes, okay. literally last time we spoke, <laughs> was the same you really can't hear that. It's getting really loud. Okay, nope. good, awesome. So <laughs> usually within the first month, unless this is somebody that's like, "Hey, I've been struggling with these issues for years now," I won't start with labs. I'll start by making changes to their lifestyle. Maybe I'll change up their their food choice. I'll try to do what I can to weed out the issue. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, it fixes itself just because the person was maybe under eating or they were under chronic stress. And just some of their lifestyle factors were breeding symptoms that weren't necessarily a bigger issue. So more often than not, we're going to do what we can without them. And we'll have that real conversation when the time comes like, hey, this is what we need to budget for. When can you do this? I like that. Yes. And then retesting like six months later kind of thing, or what's a, what's a common interval? It kind of depends on what the issue was. Um, like if it was a nutrient deficiency or something that doesn't really breed clear symptoms, yeah, we'll probably retest in, in six months. Um, mm-hmm. However, if it is something that we do get a lot of symptoms with, or it's not really urgent, like if their cholesterol levels are off, that, for example, that can take a, a lot of time to see change. And more often than not, somebody's able to go to their doctor once a year and get labs. So as long as we're doing the right things to get those numbers in a better place, and they're not also having hormone or gut symptoms, I'll usually let that ride and just keep doing the lifestyle change. If it is, say, a sex hormone or an adrenal thing like cortisol, we're going to have a very specific timeline with our interventions, and we may test as soon as three months, it may be mm-hmm. six, or we may have that that marker like getting your cycle back that mm-hmm. says, hey, we're more normal. And especially mm-hmm. if budget's an issue, and this is always that conversation that we have on the front end with retesting too, we can use questionnaires, and I have one specifically for hormones that... I'll reuse every month, every three months to say, hey, are we seeing improvements? If not, this is what we know from your last set of lab values. Maybe we need to dial it up. Maybe we need to put more rest in, more sleep, whatever it is. So it definitely depends on the person and their budget because again, it is expensive. Super. No, that's that's very, very helpful. Um, And so let's say they are happy to run lab work and um assuming they might not be your client or anybody's client um are people able to read lab works work themselves or who do they go to if they don't have a coach uh, in order to have it like because often times i've heard people be like oh yeah i had my bloods taken the doctor said all is good and you're like um okay well can we get a little bit more data here just because it's not like in the horrible ranges doesn't mean that it's optimal <laughs> Yes. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges for those individuals that don't have coaches, because, you know, if you are going and doing your yearly, your doctor is going to run labs, but usually they're not running everything that you'd need to even see what's going on. And that's usually what you get. Most practitioners will just look at the highs and lows that flag in the quote unquote normal range 
But it's important to understand that the normal range isn't necessarily the optimal range, especially if you are somebody who's trying to stay healthy, work on longevity, change their body comp, improve performance, whatever it is. Um, more or less doctors look at it like, hey, if you're not like near death, then you're good. So that's yeah. where, you know, if you don't have a coach and say you had your doctor run your blood work, there are a lot of practitioners and online coaches out there like myself that you can pay to do a consult with. We'll get on a call for an hour. I'll ask you more questions about yourself. I'll put together the pieces of the puzzle with your blood work, with your lifestyle, and especially with your history and mm -hmm. say, Hey, like, this is what you should focus on. I'll give you a supplement protocol if that's what you need and send you on your merry way. Obviously, if you want coaching, that's always an option too. Um, and then if somebody doesn't have labs from a doctor, but is thinking that something's up or they just want to check, um, I do this and I know a lot of other coaches out there do it as well. You can come to me. I can order the labs based on what I know about you and what I learned about you that you need. I mean, I have panels put together that are just like hitting all the things that most active females would want. And then I can go over them with you. Um, I find that unless you have a background in medicine or maybe even nutrition, um, it's hard to interpret your labs on your own. Unless yeah. you go down the Google rabbit hole, which can also lead you to think that a lot more is wrong than really is. <laughs> and doctors will do that too, right? You, I've had clients come back and their doctor be like, oh my God, I'm pre-diabetic. They think I'm going to need insulin, this, that, the other thing. I'm like, well, okay, like this is something we can fix. Or same with thyroid dysfunction. Doctors <laughs> are really quick to put clients on thyroid medication when oftentimes, you know, you have to put the puzzle pieces together to figure out, well, why is your thyroid dysregulated? Why are your sex hormones dysregulated before you go and jump to birth control or a thyroid med? There's a lot more you can do um, if you know how to assess it. Yeah, definitely. I've seen that too, especially um, in col with cholesterol. I see that quite a lot when people are like freaking out about their mm -hmm. cholesterol. Wait, wait, wait. What did we actually test? What time of the day was it actually, you know? And it might have just been like a complete cholesterol or whatever, like uh, total cholesterol. And you're like, well, it's not really indicative whatsoever. Um, or in the sense of um, uh, optimal versus, you know, just low, et cetera. Especially um, with vitamin D, I have found that mm. people are like, oh, no, it's my vitamin D isn't okay, like on the lower end, but okay. I'm like, no, this is actually still looking pretty terrible. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, so no, you're, you're absolutely right. It does pay off not going down the Google rabbit hole for most people, I would say. So um, so what are some some of the most common deficiencies or, I guess, um, issues that you see when you, when people ask you to interpret their lab work or even just among your clients, really? Yeah. So, you know, most females that are interacting with me on Instagram or are on my client roster right now have some history of dieting or sometimes a history of an eating disorder or, you know, just under eating because as females, we aren't taught how to nourish our body at a young age, unfortunately, and hopefully that is changing. But a lot of the common things that I'll see that Again, they aren't, you know, life or death, but they are going to impact how your body changes, um, are going to be anemias. So mm -hmm. when you're getting blood work, you almost always, even if your doctor runs it, get a couple things. You almost always get a CBC, so a complete blood count. And that is where you can look to see if you have any anemia. And that anemia basically chalks up to having a vitamin or mineral deficiency, be that B vitamins, iron, and 
and so on. It could also be related to an immune response or an infection. So more often than not, I see especially females, again, who have been on birth control, who have dieted in their life, or maybe are on a vegan diet or whatever it is, mm-hmm. are deficient in B vitamins. That is mm-hmm. something that almost everybody needs to supplement with, a methylated B vitamin. Um, and also, you know, if somebody is having gut issues or inflammation in their body, they're not going to be able to absorb those vitamins and minerals correctly. So sometimes when we see an anemia, it's just like, hey, we need to change your diet. And you need to stress a little less. We need to work on your stress management. (laughs) But sometimes, you know, it is deeper. It is that you're having GI issues. Your digestive capacity is impaired. It is could be because of birth control or that you're having really heavy menstrual cycles. So there's a lot that can influence having anemia. But that is probably the most common thing that I see. And again, it's not usually a huge deal when it's a B vitamin. However, an iron deficiency anemia is where you will possibly start to feel more of that fatigue. You may notice paleness, hair loss, um, and dizziness because it can also impact your blood sugar. But with the B vitamins, um, B vitamins are involved in literally every mechanism in your body. They're involved in metabolism, how your body breaks down carbohydrates. They're involved in the, the creation of proteins of DNA of, of everything like that. So that's probably the biggest one. Um, outside of that, a lot of times I'll see dysregulation with blood sugar and insulin. Insulin resistance is really common. And a lot of people think you have to be like overweight and borderline diabetic to have insulin resistance. And that isn't true at all. Um, I mean, if you follow my Instagram, you'll see that I'm a very small human. And for many years due to chronic stress and due to hormonal imbalances. I was insulin resistant, had high blood sugar, which symptom wise can lead to energy flux, crashes throughout the day, cravings, night sweats, all these different things, but more so the impact that females have with that, they don't really realize until they start looking deeper is trouble with losing weight and maybe even gaining weight around that. Um, blood, blood sugar, especially if you test it fasted, which they do on your blood work. So when in doubt, you know, the best time to get your blood work done, if you can schedule it this way is in a fasted state. So don't eat anything, make sure you have some water, but go to the lab between eight and 10 AM. And that is when most of your hormones are at their peak concentrations, such as cortisol and so on. But Fasting blood glucose shows how your body is responding to stress. Mm-hmm. The fasting level is a little bit less indicative of what your diet is looking like, but more so, you know, what stress your body's under physiologically, metabolically, mentally, right? And diet does go into that, right? Because if we eat inflammatory foods, we're going to be under stress. Um, if we're not sleeping, we're going to be under stress. If we're overdoing caffeine, we're going to be under stress or if we have an infection in our gut or whatever it is. So blood sugar is another big one that's almost always off but is also like pretty easy to, to manage. It just, you know, there are some steps there. Um, those are the big ones. In active individuals, I'll, we'll sometimes see liver enzymes be off just because, you know, they're training hard, they're under-recovered. Liver enzymes that are very elevated could be indicative of, of something going on in the gut um, or hormones. And then issues with sex hormones are basically a given at this point with how many women have been on and off birth control, have spent years dieting and so on. So, Big ones are probably anemias in the CBC, um, issues with blood glucose, sex hormones, and then maybe some liver stuff. Mm. No, it's super, super good to know. And I 
I agree or have seen several of the similar things when it comes to low B vitamins or iron even. Um, and what I also sometimes think people are overestimating is, or women in particular, is their calcium intake, mm. um, especially, yes, with, with, you know, the pill depleting many minerals or preventing you from observing them properly as well. So sometimes people say, oh yeah, I, I do have that half a cup of Greek yogurt per day. I don't really drink milk or have any other milk products, but that should be sufficient. And shouldn't it? Um, yeah, not really, yeah. <laughs> especially if you want to prevent osteoporosis and if you're a very active individual and you, you strength train. So I think that that while, while I always say, I think vitamin C is, un, is overrated when it comes to people taking it as a supplement, I think calcium is actually underrated. Um, but I wanted to go back on to the vitamin B. Um, I'm just curious as to what you tend to recommend for people in terms of supplementation. Do you recommend a vitamin B complex? Do you like to recommend a vitamin B12? What's your usual go-to? I'll almost always use a complex because Insane. more often than not, you know, you're if you're deficient in one you're deficient in multiple um and especially if you are somebody that's struggling with hormonal imbalances you need all those b vitamins like b5 is crucial in the mechanisms of converting cholesterol into sex hormones so i'll yeah. use a methylated b vitamin i'll sometimes go high dose with somebody and have them take it instead of just once per day two to three times to fully saturate their urine because if you've mm -hmm. ever taken a B vitamin, you probably have seen that your pee turns neon yellow. That is okay. Mm -hmm. That is normal. That shows that your body is getting the B vitamins. Um, mm -hmm. So depending on the severity of the deficiency, which usually you can tell by looking at the CBC panel, your mean corpus volume, your hemoglobin hematocrit, I will like high dose somebody for a period of time before we retest. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I resort to complex as well um, mm -hmm. for the same reasons. And that's another um, pet peeve, I guess, of mine is um, I don't actually like multivitamins because no. for that reason, I think that that's kind of like, it feels to people like an easy blanket where uh, I, I just need to take one or two pills as opposed to like 10, but we're like really not covering anything properly. And you're covering the things that you're probably already getting it anyway like double so it's just kind of that I think is, is another waste of money vitamin c and multivitamin in some cases not saying that that's always the case but yeah um the other thing that you touched on was gut health just just briefly I guess and that brings me to another question um because I think you mentioned earlier sometimes people that are chronic dieters or go on or like yo-yo dieters, et cetera, they tend to have poor gut health. And um, is that what you generally observe um, with your clients or through testing as well? Yeah. So I feel like it's more so recently that I'm seeing gut issues arise in clients that come to me because they want to lose weight and they've been trying over and over and over again for years. Um, I do have a big population of females that come to me because they've been dealing with gut issues for years. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of times, you know, GI issues can start with deficiencies. Mm -hmm. They can start with deficiencies in nutrients that that leads to inflammation and metabolic processes being shut off because they can't operate properly. They can lead to, I mean, they can start with low stomach acid. So 
stomach acid is what you can think of. You know, you're in your in your gut when your body needs to break down food, it generates stomach acid. And that is a combination of like bile, HCL, hydrochloric acid, intrinsic factor, all these things that are going to come in and break down the food. However, chronic stress can blunt that secretion. And therefore we have people with low stomach acid and then we have issues with the breakdown of food. And that's where we sometimes get people with constipation because their body can't break down that food and push it through. And they're so stressed that they're just, everything's just tight, tightened up, right? Or we have the opposite issue where food's not being broken down. The body is in an inflamed state. And instead of being properly broken down into a normal poop, it is diarrheaed out urgently. And that is, those are probably the two, um, the two biggest ones. Um, Oftentimes, if somebody comes to me for GI issues, if they already have blood work, I'll look at it, but I'll often start with a GI map because yes, you may have chronic constipation due to years of under eating high cortisol because you're overly stressed, you're, you're running your body into the ground. And if you do, you likely have vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Like there's no doubt about that, but we need to get to the root cause. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the root cause, if you're dealing with GI symptoms, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, you name it, there's a lot out there. The root issue usually isn't anymore the chronic dieting. You might have usually over time, you know, the integrity of our GI tract diminishes. So the more time that we spend stressing, the more, you know, low calorie that we eat, the more processed foods that we eat, the more that we train and don't nourish our body, that stress response leads to an impaired function of your GI lining. So then we get what's like kind of a buzzy term, leaky gut, which Mm -hmm. is when the, the gut is no longer able to create a barrier between, you know, what should be going in there from your GI tract from toxins, a breakdown of proteins in your blood and all these other things. And at that point, you're not able to absorb your vitamins and minerals properly. So usually at a certain point, your immune function is also compromised if your gut is struggling. And that's when you become more susceptible to actual infections in your GI tract, like a SIBO, which is what I see probably most commonly, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or a candida yeast infection of your GI tract, or, you know, just a dysregulation of your good and bad bacteria, which breeds vitamin and mineral deficiencies, right? Because if you can't absorb your food, then that's where we need to look first. We need to target that root cause because having a dysregulation in your gut can lead to downstream issues with your sex hormones, like high estrogen, estrogen dominance. It can lead to thyroid issues or thyroid issues and gut health, which I'm sure you see a lot too, Lisa, go hand in hand, right? If your thyroid sluggish, your gut motility is sluggish, vice versa. 100%. Yeah, I I think that was such a good point that you highlighted how big of an impactor stress really is on gut mm-hmm. issues. I think that is probably the biggest correlator and that I always see when people are like, oh, my weight has gone up or I'm constipated or whatever. And you're like, stress. <laughs> Even yeah. if we think about it from a physiological perspective if we're stressed we tend to be more hunched over we tend to like like you say cramp up more um, in the midsection leaning forward 
compressing that whole digestive system as opposed to relaxing and even just taking a warm bath from time to time or going to like a yoga class or whatever can sometimes help people get things going again of course this is more to like um the immediate gut issues not necessarily yeah. something like uh an underlying um thing like candida or whatever it might be um but i'm curious if coming from that perspective you are recommending specific supplements for that such as a lot of people are big on probiotics um, or if you're simply saying fiber is going to be the biggest mover um, uh, or other um, potential supplements like L-glutamine or anything like that what are your go-tos definitely so if this is just like your acute bout of constipation like you have a normal bowel movement most days but then you know maybe you travel and you get stressed or maybe you get extra constipation around your cycle the biggest thing is probably going to be consistency with a lot of your lifestyle variables so get it waking up and going to bed around the same time because most people probably poop in the morning right and I don't know about you guys but sometimes you know if I'm rushing around, if I have to be somewhere and I miss my window for my morning bowel movement, it doesn't happen. So that's where, you know, being as consistent with your routines as you can, being consistent with your hydration, that's a big one with constipation. And also just like overall caloric intake. I'll get clients or even consults that come to me and they're like, so I like never poop and I have them track their calories and they're eating a thousand calories per day. And I'm like, well, you know, your body, it doesn't really have enough to proceed with that process. It's nice and slow because it doesn't think you're going to feed it. It's stressed out. So if you're someone that, you know, you feel like you're doing all the right things, you're working on managing your stress, maybe you're practicing meditation and journaling and limiting your screen time and whatever it is, um, I'll start with magnesium. Magnesium mm -hmm. is probably my favorite mineral, my favorite supplement in the whole world because it helps. There are so many different types and it's really cool and it helps with everything, right? If you take magnesium, especially pre-sleep, it will help you wind down. It'll help with muscle recovery. It'll help relax the GI tract. Um, I actually like Life Extensions Magnesium. It's just called like Magnesium Cap because it's a blend and it has, I believe, citrate, which is very good for bowel movements. I think glycinate and maybe oxide, which glycinate is great for sleep. Oxide's kind of just in there. It does what it does. But magnesium is usually where I'll start. Um, I also really like the Magnesium Calm Powder. It's a, you, it's a glycinate. It actually tastes delicious also. <laughs> it does. What's your favorite flavor? Um, uh, Fruit Punch, I think. Was it Fruit Punch? Something. I, I don't even remember. But yeah, it's been a while since I've had it since they don't ship here. But it's good. I like it. I like the cherry. But yeah, I'll start with that. And it's you heat it up. It's a warm, calming drink. Um, and magnesium is a nice, easy way to get things flowing. And then I'll usually scale up from there if needed. So if that doesn't work, you know. We're also looking at the diet. We're looking at meal timing because um, there's a lot that can go wrong with your meal composition and meal timing that can make your bowel movements wacky. Um, like hydration, for example, you want to avoid drinking large amounts of water during your meal because that can mess with the transit time. It can you know, cause diarrhea. It can cause bloating. And you want to have most of your water between meals. And then obviously fiber is going to be a big one. Um, but I find the more that I work with, women that have GI issues, the more food choice and fiber types need to be customized based on, you know, what they're, what they're dealing with. So we'll play with different types of fibers. We'll play with things like resistant starches. So that's basically like 
say you cook rice, potatoes, or even oats, and you let them cool, mm-hmm. that changes that the, the way that the fiber interacts with your GI tract. And that can really help a bowel movement. I don't know if you ever had overnight oats in the morning, but that does it for me a lot. Um, so oh, usually potatoes. Yes. Like right? and eat them if people don't like eating potatoes cooled, but still you maintain the integrity of the resistant starch by reheating them and still mm-hmm. get the and different berries and flax seeds and stuff like that. So usually before I add any aggressive supplementation, we'll change up the diet. We'll play with hydration. We'll play with stress. We'll play with magnesium. I, I'll put in everybody's protocol in the beginning, just because if you're active and you're a female, especially you, you need magnesium. Um, but from there, when it comes to probiotics, it depends on symptoms. The majority of females, if they come to me and they don't have any GI issues, I am not touching them with a probiotic just because, you know, when you put a probiotic in your microbiome, in your gut, it interacts the way it wants to, right? So if you have a lot of good beneficial bacteria, it's probably just going to go in there and vibe with its friends and do its job. But if you have a lot of bad bacteria in your gut, whether it's because of diet, lifestyle, and infection we could put a probiotic in there. And if it's not the right kind, it could feed the bad bacteria. So with my clients that come to me with like IBS like symptoms, I'll put them on Sac Velarde, like a 10,000 IU or whatever it is. Um, that one's generally safe. It is a yeast based probiotic. Um, and it's been there's so much research on it with both constipation and diarrhea. I use it through SIBO. I use it through IBS. So if you are having issues, you could try it. But more often than not, it's not going to be a, a fixer of the issue. And then. Yeah, I think probiotics is another um, generally like in the broad spectrum overrated supplement because yeah. the ones that you're going to get just normally or most people buy are either super low dose, they don't have the right strains, they are maybe not even activated or like you don't need to cool them or whatever, which doesn't speak for the the quality. Um, And then Mm -hmm. often probiotics, people don't realize, yes, that's the good bacteria that we can add to our gut hypothetically, but if these bacteria still need to be fed by the prebiotics. So if you Mm -hmm. probiotics and you continue not to consume prebiotics, prebiotic foods, as in fiber, um, they're not going to last very long in there either. So I'm always someone I'd rather work on the fiber, but I also do want to caution people there that more is not always better. Going back to the point of constipation and going back to people that, you know, under eat or eat um, in a very low calorie state because they're in a weight loss phase, et cetera, just overfilling on high volume foods, not a great idea either. That's mm. kind of <laughs> my experience there anyway. Yeah, especially if you're having constipation, food keeping food volume a little bit lower and really just making sure that, and I know this sounds silly because everybody says it, like chew your food, but it can go a long way, like chewing your food into a paste before you swallow, making sure that you're eating in a parasympathetic, so a rest and digest instead of like a fight or flight, high stress state, um, going for little walks after your meals can be helpful. Um, but when it comes to, you know, clients coming with GI issues, um, assuming it is an acute thing, changing the diet can go a long way. And sometimes we'll do some version of an elimination if we need to. Mm-hmm. But if if it can be fixed by lifestyle, I'd rather do that than throw everything under the sun in there. Definitely. Yeah, I think you've given us some great points here already with what lab work to order or how who to go to to have it read. And just generally when it comes to 
gut health, etc. I do want to backpedal once um, with one last question before we wind up here or round up here. But um, in, you mentioned insulin resistance and having a few good action steps. And I think that that could be a good uh, further takeaway for anyone listening in the sense of, okay, how can I just simply with a few practical takeaways um, improve my insulin sensitivity? What would you say here? Definitely. So I feel like a broken record, but the biggest thing is going to be stress. And there are obviously stressors that we can't directly control and lower. So when we think about stress, we think about our stress bucket. And I'm sure Lisa talks about this all the time too, because as a coach, it's probably the most important thing that we do with clients. And you can manage what goes into your stress bucket. So say you're having a horribly stressful week at work and you know that you're going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You might be working late and sleep isn't going to be optimal. It's probably going to be in your best interest to train at a lower intensity this week and not add more stress to your body. It's probably going to be in your best interest to focus on nutrient density rather than, you know, spending that extra time running around going for walks and doing all these things. So stress management is going to be the biggest one. Um, but outside of that, when it comes to the diet, it is going to be about fiber, making sure the majority of your carbohydrates are complex and also meal timing. So mm -hmm. if you're somebody that does have elevated blood sugar, um, it is very helpful to start your day with a fasted walk, have some coffee, go out for your walk, come back and have your meal, ideally before you have some coffee, because again, coffee is going to drive that stress up in the in an acute setting. Um, other things are going to be just making sure that you're sleeping seven to eight hours. Um, I'm sorry that none of this is really that flashy. Mm -hmm. And then in some cases, I will use a supplement like berberine or a GDA, a glucose disposal agent to help partition those carbohydrates. But again, um, it's important to get to the root cause of why you're having those blood sugar issues. Maybe it is that systemic inflammation in your body because of all the stress that you're under. Maybe your insulin is is high in your blood work, but you know the biggest things there is remembering that more isn't always better mm. because a body that's going to change is one that is healthy. If your mm. body is not healthy, it's not going to change the way that you want it to. So oftentimes it's important to take a phasic approach and taking one step at a time. Like if I have a client that has all these issues in their blood work, the goal isn't weight loss. The goal is to fix these issues, to figure out why this is going on and get their body in an optimal spot to progress into their next maybe physique goal. So remembering that, you know, you're not broken. It's okay to have some of these issues. It's actually really common. Um, and just to kind of take it one step at a time and learn how to slow down. I love those takeaways. And um, what I would add there um, with that first meal of the day, even before the coffee, et cetera, I like that you pointed that out. And um, But with the first meal, I think the importance um, of the fact that that meal contains sufficient amount of protein mm. um, has been very much demonstrated. And especially in the recent literature, you know, as opposed to starting it with just a piece of toast or like starting your day with just a piece of toast or even fruit, people are like, oh, but I, you know, fruit is healthy, et cetera. Yes, it's still sugar, essentially. So, you know, at least have a protein shake before you have that piece of fruit. That'd be okay. And then, of course, things are a little bit different if, let's say, we work out first thing in the morning, et cetera. But um, yes, I think you have given us some 
some awesome takeaways. One question I still had was, um, do you have experiment experience with inositol for you know that those those very later steps if you do choose to um supplement for improving insulin sensitivity? Yeah. So I use inositol from time to time, depending on the the client. I find that that's really helpful for my perimenopausal clients, for clients that are dealing with heightened hormonal symptoms that are often linked to insulin resistance. Um, it's not usually my first go. And more often than not, we can fix insulin resistance without a ton of supplements, but I will use it from, from time to time in either the pill or the powdered form. Well, thank you so, so much, Haley. And once again, would you be able to let us know where people can find you? Um, that'd be great. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, follow me, shoot me a message. Um, it is Coach Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-E underscore R-D. Awesome. And that's also where people can find coaching applications or anything like that if they're interested. Yep. Coaching applications in there. And then if you are interested in like a blood work consult, just shoot me a message and we'll go back and forth to get that set up. Brilliant. And the name of your podcast was um, Girls Fuel, right? The Girls Fuel podcast. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I'm sure everyone's going to walk away with a lot of takeaways. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe leave a review or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at nutrition, coaching, and life, or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.